Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Well, welcome back to uh, the next episode of The Grind. And uh, if I'm not mistaken... No, I think this is episode number 26. I was going to say you guys would be like a quarter of a century on this, but uh, uh, I'm Dave McClung, and with me, as always, is the lovely uh, Chad Grigsby. Yeah, Dave, if we could count past 15, then we could worry about what <laughs> podcast we're on, but since we can't, you know. Well, I took I took my shoes off, and I ran out of toes, and so, <laughs> yeah. you know, We're somewhere I, in the mid-20s. We are in the mid twenties, and so yeah. uh, I mean, whoever would have thunk that? Yeah. And uh, I'm sure our mothers are are dying for us to quit by now. You know they are listening to these things, <laughs> and uh, our our two listeners. So uh, so anyway, uh, now we're excited today uh, to to be back, and we've got uh, our good buddies Nathan James and Grant Harrison in the house. Say hello, hello fellas. Hello, hello. <laughs> That was uh, that was beautiful, beautiful. Thank the you, intonation thank you. of your voices. We worked just on that. Conjured up angels in my mind. <laughs> and uh, so Nathan and Grant are uh, the co-pastors of Epic Church, and you guys are the veterans now, which is hard to believe, but it yeah, is. It, it is true. All that means is you're old and haven't <laughs> found anything better. You haven't died yet. That's uh, true. It's just my, true. my dad used to do this. Uh, uh, conference up here at the building with all the the new uh, pastors and staff across the state, and, and it was how to have a long and healthy ministry. And he said, "You know how to have a long and healthy ministry? Stay alive. Don't die." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so that's that's you guys. He's you, pretty you, accurate. Yeah, yeah. So, Epic has been going. Uh, you guys are twelve years. Twelve years. In July. Now. Wow. So uh, I knew it was plus ten. Yeah. And. Uh, so 12 years. So, okay, so talk about, um, and Nathan, we can start with you and then go with Grant, and that way people can distinguish your lovely voice. That's probably good. Sure. Yeah, but uh, talk about kind of your ministry journeys leading up to and including the planting of Epic Church. Sure. Well, um, we actually might start with Grant. He does best at the, the story part. Um, but I'll begin with uh, both of us grew up in Bryant. Um, I wasn't born here uh, in Arkansas, but Grant was. And starting in kindergarten, we actually had the same kindergarten teacher in the same class. For uh, that. That's how long we've known each other. Wow. But Bryant, even before it became as big as it is now, was a pretty large school for the state. And uh, we never really had classes together all throughout that time. He went to a different elementary. Uh, I did as well after uh, mine opened up the newer one, Spring Hill. It was new when I was there. Davis was new for Grant. I mean, for anybody that knows Brian, that's pretty crazy. Um, so anyways, uh, the real opportunity for us to cross paths and really start doing ministry, though, didn't really happen until our senior year of high school. We both knew we were going to Washed Hall, and of course, we uh, had our friends and our roommates that we were staying with, and then really the church um, in Arkadelphia. 
where Clay Cunningham was at the time. He was uh, growing up at First Benton. I had a church there uh, that I grew up in, and Clay was the intern there while I was uh, a youth. And uh, Wade Tomlinson was the uh, youth minister, and I was oh, wow. uh, I was yeah. really set up. Yeah, I think Chad, you might have some connections there. I do. So I had a just yeah home run there, and um, kept me out of a lot of trouble, honestly. <laughs> and uh, really had a huge both those guys just huge uh, mentors to me. I know Grant too uh, for for Clay, and that's where Clay kind of comes in is that uh, while I was at Washington. He went to Washtenaw, but did seminary, came back at um, First Baptist there in Arkadelphia. And guys, that's where we uh, fell in love, both of us, with the church and relationships of just um, not just especially going to a private school uh, and really diving into some biblical study stuff um, early on. It's real easy just to assume um, you'll have a love for the church, mm-hmm. but you're kind of blown away that the opposite sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. And Chad, yours is a little different story, but you can relate. Uh-huh. And um, and so, but we saw the need for uh, what ministry is all about, not just the head knowledge, but also the practical knowledge, bridging the academy and the church. And so Grant, from uh, us doing some ministry there, man, dude, tell the story kind of, of why in the world we decided to... Well, I'm going to fill in some gaps. Okay, go to, ahead. Uh, <laughs> He'll be doing a lot of that probably. Uh, Nathan mentioned we were in the same kindergarten class, but we were actually best friends in kindergarten. That's no right. Lie. That's like, right. I best friends. We hung out. Like, I hung out at his house. That's like, true. For kindergartners, you don't do that. No. Like, Did we just become best friends? friends? No. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We were best friends. <laughs> and uh, and then we we became friends again our senior year because we were in the senior play together. I was the lead good guy, and he was the lead bad guy. That's true. <laughs> Which is still today how it is. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh man! Uh, but it was just kind of funny, and you know, the Lord just uh, helped us be good friends. And I think that what it's done for us is it's allowed us to uh, to be able to be better partners in ministry, just because we have such a history, we know each other uh, so well. Our our wives actually were good friends growing up in school as well, so we all were really close. Um, but when it came to to ministry stuff, you know, both of us uh, we had an opportunity. We, we knew a, a family out in California, and uh, they said, "Hey, you guys, after you graduate college, you want to come out here and." do some ministry stuff. And we're like, California? Yes, we're there. It it took no time to do that. Uh, We were like 45 minutes from the beach and snow skiing. And so we were like, we're never going back to Arkansas. (laughs) I said that. We packed up our car and said, see you later. We'll visit, you know, on holidays and that'll be it. Yeah. And, uh, And while we were out there, you know, the same as Nathan was talking about, this passion that we had for the church and the love that we had for it. We noticed that so many of our friends and family members who or moving to, to Little Rock and, and different places. Uh, really, church was nothing more than just uh, something that you did on a Sunday. It was, they decided, you know, that morning, well, which church you want to go to this morning? And they would kind of, you know, flip a coin and go to that church. And that was it. So it was more of a, a head, let's just get a little bit of knowledge so that we can try to make it through the week and do the same thing the next Sunday. And so they really didn't have the concept of, no, this is life together. Church is not what you go to. You are the church. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, every day, every moment of the day, being the body of Christ. And so, um, the Lord really used that. And uh, we've got some other stories that we could tell, just about my my grandfather and stuff. Kind of played a, a role in in some of this. But the Lord used those things to really open up our eyes to maybe maybe the Lord wants us to do something with the church. Maybe there's something there, and maybe it's in Arkansas. Yeah. And it was a lot for us to be like, are you sure we really want to even pray about this? Because, like, <laughs> I mean, we, that means moving back to Arkansas. But we did, and the doors just kept opening up. And um, we had a – well, the guy who was in charge of church planning at the time, uh, Phil Hall, mm-hmm. um, we had a meeting with him, and uh, he was super excited. I mean, we were at the 
kind of the beginning of nobody really knew how to do church planning, including us. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we didn't know what we were yeah. doing at we all. Still don't. Well, he said, "Who's he said who's the lead pastor?" And we were like, "Well, do you have two spots?" I was like, "Number one, I'm smart enough in ministry to know you never take the blame on one person. We'll pass the we'll yeah. pass the blame." Oh around. yeah, and well, we, we they didn't even have two spots in the paper, so they had to right. recreate a form to even say that we can both be pastors. Plural leadership. So, Who would have thought? So it was, um, but you know, we, we moved back. We did everything wrong at first. I mean, we first gathered on July 31st. Who starts a church on July 31st? No one. Absolutely no one. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of showing what we knew, which was nothing, we did. And, um, you know, we, we had people there. We couldn't put, we couldn't push the brakes anymore. And we didn't, we didn't consider church planning at first. It was more, maybe we could partner with the church, do some kind of a, especially the younger generation at that time, our generation that were out of college and not connected and young entrepreneurs and things like that, um, really getting started in their jobs and relationships. And we said, Hey, oh my goodness, this, this might actually be. A church starting to form here, and uh, which we—that's another thing I said. Not only did I say I'm not going to Arkansas, but while I was in seminary in California, I also said I might—I like to teach and maybe you know preach some. I'm not going to be a pastor. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It was funny. A student at uh, another fellow student at the seminary, Golden Gate, yeah, uh, said, looked at him and said, "You're going to be a pastor." Yeah. Yeah. And then and, I got to actually like, no, go. No, I'm not. And he's like, "You're going to be a we pastor." We went to visit. We actually went to visit and. Uh, Strange story, but I crossed paths with her again, and I got to tell her you were right. Yeah, and, oh, I forgot uh, about that. That's those little, cool. those little story uh, stories are the ones that, as I'm even telling and Grant's mentioning and thinking of things, God's fingerprints are all over stuff. We've yeah. just got to pause and realize yeah. that you know He just He is in the details. The devil is a lot of times we claim, but you know what God is too, yeah. and that's what we got to remember. And and really, we and we talk about this all the time, but we we have people say, "Think of a 23 year old that you know," and everybody does. Well, think about how they view things, how they live life, and then we say, "That's how old we were when we started the church." Yeah. I mean, if there is a picture of God's grace <laughs> over ignorance, it is. It is our church. It is us, yeah. our leadership. I mean, it is it is totally by the grace of God that yeah. that we are a church even today. So yeah. So you guys are in the ripe old age of mid thirties now. Thirty five. Right. Yeah. I'll be yeah. yeah, both thirty six this yeah. year. <laughs> That's right, man. You guys brought up that kind of co pastoring uh, dynamic that you got going on. That's. That's not a very popular deal, you know, and it's uh, yeah. for a lot of guys. They, you know, they'd say it's not practical. I remember, mm-hmm. I think, I think I remember Doctor Adrian Rogers even one time said, "Anything that doesn't have a head is dead, and anything that has two heads is a freak." And <laughs> yeah. you know, I so you know. Well, the church has a head, and his name's Jesus. Hey, so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what? I won't get. I won't hate on Adrian. No, no, no. And I'm not. You know, I'm not saying. No, I, I think you're right, though, especially when we were starting. I mean, it was really. We had um, people tell us that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, uh, plural leadership is not only biblical, right. um, it's also Baptist. If you look into history, I know that Fellowship in Arkadelphia, uh, when they were forming, uh, they, with dealing with their, um, oh, uh, they were just dealing with some of their partnerships and uh, their local. Um, What's association? Yes, association. yes. As they were dealing with that uh, particular association, uh, they were like, "Wait, you guys have plural leadership." And so <laughs> yeah. I think you know, without getting into our 
church leadership structure, I do think uh, elder-led congregationalism is the way we would define Mm -hmm. it. I mean, we're a family. There's the biblical model there uh, of plural leadership that we embrace, not saying that the other model is bad, but um, we see a lot of pros in this model that's very biblical, very uh, Baptist, and uh, it's really been uh, just really neat for us to still be a family. Uh, Every person needs to have a voice, but there does, like you're talking about, have have to be a leader. And, um, and so the deacons of churches and things like that, at times you're, you do ask in those settings too, though, okay, well, who's the head here? Is it the uh-huh. deacons? Or the, so, I mean, yeah. when it comes down to it, I mean, there's a lot of different ways of looking at that, but well, that is the way we decided to go. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll say it's harder. Uh, you know, plural leadership is always harder. Uh, but we just feel like it's better. So, and we don't have to have a committee to make a committee. So that helps. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. So. especially at the beginning of stuff. You know, it was really nice to have you, you to have someone else there to help uh, do things. And and you know, maybe we're just unique. You know, maybe with how you know the the history that we've had, the um, the the past that we've had, we were able to work better together than other right. people are. And, yeah. and we can't say that this is the best way for every church. Right, right. Um, it just worked really well Because chemistry for us. is huge, you know, yeah. and, and to think we've been able to know uh, how each other thinks and so many things like that, that can be pros, there can be pros and uh, yeah. cons there. But, uh, but the pros really pushed us forward on that. And... Um, and we argue a lot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I mean, all well, the time. We've well, been best friends since kindergarten. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I will say one of the things, you know, and people have asked us that a lot. You know, how do you work with someone this long? Yeah. You know? And especially, you know, until this year, we were the only two people on staff yeah. for eleven years. Yeah. So like, it was us. We yeah. did everything. And you know, I, I, what it come down for us is is that we you learn to when you trust someone and what they're thinking. You can argue about the details all you want, but you never it's never going to be personal because right. you know that that person, you know, loves Jesus and loves his church and wants the best for it. And so you can you can really argue through things when you trust the other person. And yeah, it can so. sharpen one another, and that's yeah. the nice thing too is you can have a knockdown drag out fight over a, a specific way of doing something in the church and then go eat dinner with their wives and yeah. chat about other yeah. things. Yeah, so. yeah. We we had the same model at Compass. Mickey and I worked really well together. Where right. I was not very good, he was good, and yeah. where yeah. you know we complemented each other very well. Yeah. And we believe in the plurality of leadership. Dave and I are huge APEST right. uh, mm-hmm. advocates, yeah. you know. And so I, I I was a little bit being tongue in cheek with you guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Devil's devil's <laughs> advocate, if you will, because we do no, believe in it. Because those are that is I mean, that's a, a normal issue. question people ask. Yeah, yeah. Or, absolutely. Or, for for plurality but it it creates all sorts of practical challenges you know so you guys giving you know witness to how it's challenging but it's it's rewarding in the end is is encouraging so it's good and the fact that you guys are still together after 12 years and or or after (laughs) since kindergarten even you know (laughs) it's a testament to submitting to one another and you know being committed for the long haul so it's cool yeah. Uh, t- and again, you know, Grant mentioned just real quick yeah. uh, about our wives knowing each other, and and even Clay and Stacy, um, they too have been just a great encouragement, support, accountability. Though they're at a different church, and and if you don't have that strong bond 
whether that's a brotherhood or whether that's uh, just couples, if you're married, that you can come around and just those people to be your pastors and your support. That was what was great for us is uh, knowing that we have that family, even extended family, if you will, that, uh, man, they've been our anchor and our support. And um, and the, that's kind of what's pushed us through, too, is honestly, man, it's all about if you're if it's a team with your spouse, too, if they're not on the same page and yeah. family. Yep. Well, yeah. if you if you guys haven't been you know at this now for twelve years, if you could pick one thing that stands out as the top thing that you've learned through the last twelve oh, years, I know it's hard to narrow it down to one. That's but... impossible. <laughs> <laughs> what is the thing that stands out the most? Um, I would say that. Um, well, I don't know if this is the one thing. Commitment is a big thing when any, any kind of church plant, not just from the pastors, but from uh, church members, your core group of people being commitment. You know, there's a longevity to this. It's not something that happens overnight. Um, uh, but you're being committed both to the Lord and to one another uh, through good and bad. Because there's going to be, in church planning, and you guys know this, there are some lean times. Yeah. And uh, there's going to be a lot of times where you're like, well, maybe this isn't it. You know, and but really, maybe it is. You just need to keep pushing. You yeah. Know? You just need to keep having that support around you, the the core group who believes in what the Lord has called everyone to, um, in that one church, uh, to be able to say, yeah, this is a tough time right now, but it's not going to stay like this. Right. And we just need to keep doing, being obedient to what the Lord wants us to do, and uh, and see this through. I mean, so. there's there's plenty of things you could say. I think that's a great one. Um, I I'll go the route with being moldable. Um, mm-hmm. I mean. Talk about as you're going through the different times, you don't compromise what's core, but you've got to always contextualize, adjust expectations, um, and be willing to have your ear to the track and say, okay, although our our own nearsighted approach to this uh, is, is the track we're going down, are we willing to be clay in the potter's hand? And that's something that the imagery we've used a lot is, you know, for, for this particular season, it's not that we cease to be clay, but the Lord may shape us in a certain uh, way to a certain degree to really uh, be useful to His kingdom and His desire of how we can serve the community and even one another and Him ultimately. So I think being moldable would be something I'd throw out there. Yeah. What, how many, you guys have been going 12 years now, you guys have stayed together in all this and worked well together, and I think commitment and moldability are huge parts of that mm-hmm. you're committed to one another you you sharpen one another you you know uh, pour into one another how many of your initial crew your initial team beyond you two guys is still with you after 12 years wow well we had i mean our first meeting we had a grand total of 12 people there okay so yeah. um you like that number 12 we made it on <laughs> yeah, purpose yeah yeah <laughs> so so it wasn't like we started with 150 people or anything um I would say out of that twelve, we had uh, a couple of people move away. Well, and, and a few that we knew early on were kind of in transition, yeah. but I wanted mean, to help. God, yeah, I might say as many block. as eight or still. Yeah, there. I'd like, say eight. See, that's just incredible. Yeah, because yeah. especially out of the ones that came shortly after that, because we had a lot. Yeah, we had a lot of people looking came, like, the first month. Or yeah, two hindsight. Yeah, yeah, in hindsight though, too, you'll see some people, and you're like, man, they are going to be a rock star, and this person. Phew, man they'll be here a week and it always they flip the script <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and y'all yeah. know that to be true oh yeah, yeah. it's it's always ridiculous to yeah. see how that works almost but that, that's time. a that's a testimony you know of of 
of creating a family dynamic, yeah. you know, in yeah. this as well. And the ones that the churches that can do that and build that team environment, yeah. you know, like that, that makes know, really it genuine have and have depth. Yeah. No, I think you're right, Ben. Yeah. And that would have to be our situation. Is we didn't have the deepest of relationships with all of them. And when yeah. you go through things, you definitely grow together as you right. serve together. But, uh, but I think too, there was a sense of God bringing some just strong pillars too mm-hmm. to that That's that true. were foundational to us and. And really, again, it has to be us contributing to, yes, trying to create those relational family dynamics, but saying God really brought us some just bedrock folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. Awesome. Okay, so so you've had, I mean, you guys have been the, the... you know the rock foundation there with you know leadership you've had these core folks that have been with you from the get-go but you guys have moved around a few different mm-hmm. places yeah you know, but all in downtown little rock yeah so you know why downtown little rock initially you know what are some things that kind of helped you understand or what you've learned about that culture that have, that's enabled you to enabled you to last this long and mm. because a lot of folks have closed up shop that have tried to plant downtown yeah and you guys are still there yeah. It's tough to to do a church downtown in Little Rock. I yeah. can't say every urban environment or every this, and it's yeah. tough to do one period. Don't right, get me wrong, right. but no, your the track record does show that it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And our reason for feeling just kind of pulled to that, uh, first and foremost, has to be um, that there was a need, um, and not just l- downtown Little Rock. It started with just the the community of folks that we had some relationships with that weren't committed to a church they may attend here being in the south and the bible but you still have this traditional christianity but there wasn't a sense of true genuine koinonia fellowship just tight-knit genuine authentic um walking through life together and being in the church in whatever setting we find ourselves and so um i think that epic means e-p-o-c-h we are not e-p-i-c so let me get that out there um and so it means a significant time of change and downtown little rock would spend billions of dollars with the clinton library redoing the downtown rivermark area er, river market area even when we finally landed in a semi-permanent spot in south maine leasing for a few years uh, you saw this just uh, evolution Revital- yeah, revitalization, revitalization going absolutely on in that area yeah and even now on main street you see them trying to bridge uh, just this cultural corridor as they call it so many different things but we were i mean we got to be the early stages of there's nothing right. going on here right other than President Clinton Avenue. We entertained that spot, but we saw, you know, there needs to be a little bit more of a, of a community, not just an entertainment thing. But people that work, go to school, now that you can afford some places down there, when Grant and I started, you couldn't live there. It wasn't a residential <laughs> situation. Right. Sure. It wasn't a matter of, oh, hey, let's move into these nice lofts that are people's second homes that have tons of money. We just weren't that, uh, that kind of uh, situation. So uh, we kind of lived all in central Arkansas. And Grant, share just a minute on how we kind of came to the realization of who we were in regards to uh, being an, an, an urban church in Little Rock and what that meant. Because this was a struggle. This is a, it's, He does a good job. Well, I mean, that. you know, obviously the thing was, was there was a need. We saw that uh, downtown Little Rock, there was a need for that. There's a central location that if people can come be a part. We're in Arkansas. This mm-hmm. isn't like, you know, New York where right. each borough can have, you know, a million people that can... You know, it's Little Rock. It takes you 10 minutes to get from one side of Little Rock to the other. <laughs> I so wish we not, called them boroughs. It's not really that. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 we should. Yeah. It's really not that big of a deal. But 
Um, it was just kind of where the Lord pushed us and the Lord just led us to. And so that we said we're going to be committed to this area. And one of the things that I think we've noticed being in this area is the way you connect with people. And I know this is going to sound so elementary, um, <laughs> but it's true. And we had to learn the hard way in some ways was is to serve. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean you create inv- events. It doesn't mean you create things. Now, you can when those times arise and you need to. But what we found is what connected us to the people in our community was when they had an event and they needed help, we helped them. Yeah. Meeting them where they're at instead of saying, we're going to be the ones that lead the way. Right. right. Sometimes it's, we're going to come behind you and serve and be here and help, especially when things line up. Because a lot of times the community what they're doing is they're trying to grow a community. And so not everything that the community is trying to do is terrible. We need to come in and make things right. Uh-huh. You know, so it's that mentality like you're talking about. And, it's, and that's the whole name, you know, Epic, a memorable time of change. We we had both, uh, a, we wanted that to mean spiritually, you know, it was mm-hmm. a memorable time of change, a time whenever you moved your life to Christ. And it's a time that you went from darkness to light. Uh, but also we wanted to be a church that meets people in the city where they are and in this time of change of the city. Yeah. And so we, we thought it was a very good twofold uh, type of meeting. Um, dictionary.com does wonders when That's we right. up with it. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> and I think our longevity uh, was if you are moldable then and you are a significant time of change, uh, we see churches closing their door, but that didn't mean the church is closed. Right, so we exactly. didn't want to have that pride of we're going to be a mega church that's here for 40 you know, years or what, you know, hundreds of years, something like that. Uh, we wanted to have this humility of saying, man, we're going to swing for the fences and we are going to be going at this 90 to nothing. But however long we're going to go, we know we're going to do everything we can to be obedient and, the and Lord, rest yeah. in that. And if the door shut, that didn't mean our work was in vain. And that's right. important because people that don't make it 12 years need to know you're not failures that's if you're right. being obedient. you got to rest in that obedience. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're just taking it day by day saying, all right, we've got another day possibly another month, another year, and uh, we're going to just uh, try to make the most of that, be a good steward of that that yeah. time that's been given yeah. to us, opportunity. I heard uh, Brian Sanders, is uh, head of the Tampa Underground, you know, I've been mm-hmm. dialoguing back with him, back and forth with him here lately, and he's just a fascinating guy. But 175 micro churches, you know, in wow. Tampa, and somebody asked him at, at Exponential here recently, said, you know, well, how'd you guys get started? You know, what'd you do, you know, to kick this thing off? And he said, we moved into a neighborhood and lived there for 10 years. Mm. <laughs> and uh, and they've been going 18 now. Yeah. And yeah. so, and he said, but that there's, there's just no substitute, no shortcut from moving in and no. committing to be with the people and be in a place, yeah. you know, day in, day out. When a community does something, you join in. Yeah. You know, when people need something, you try and meet the need. Yeah. You know, you serve and you serve and you serve. And, uh, and it's just, uh, and that does sound elementary, but it, but it's hard because everybody's looking for yeah. a shortcut. Oh yeah, yeah. and we you want to jump version. exactly, and you want to jump to the newest and easiest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's and it is hard. And you know, when if I don't know that I could start a church right now, you know, I got a family. Yeah. I got yeah. is it? Can I jump in and do this? You know, whereas you know, when we were younger, we were having no expenses. Yeah, I mean, you, we, the risk factor is so much yes, more minimal, yeah. and so. But you know, when when the Lord does say jump, He you yeah. know, as you sift through all that and all that that means of just. Being sensitive to the spirit and sync sync with the spirit, Uh, but back back to what you were saying just for a second. um, I almost want to ask anyone entertaining church planning, what do you think you'll look like in ten years? Because that's just that's nothing that's on their radar. Yeah, and and you you want to live day by day. You want to take it moment by moment. Don't get me wrong. You have to do that's what the grind is all about. Yeah, I mean, but 
have you ever thought about long term? Um, so live day to day, but think long term and begin to to ask yourself, you know, what what if things continue uh, to stay healthy? And that's mm-hmm. another thing, man. Shoot, how do you define success? That'd be yeah. another thing that's so important. That's we might get to that in a minute. I'll put that <laughs> uh, well, you guys have talked quite a bit about this already oh, we've talked quite a bit ah, <laughs> no you you talked about ministry in an urban context in downtown little rock you've been a part of um uh, kind of more rural ministries that you've you've participated in but you've you, you guys have really only done ministry in the city right yeah yeah so in arkansas of course you know like grant said it's I mean, you guys, even if you're not too far uh, from Little Rock, like Dave, I mean, he could still consider himself really uh, in the know and relating to Little Rock to right. a certain degree downtown, you know. But anyways, keep going. No, 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 it's good. Just maybe one or of your top ministry tips for doing urban ministry. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't, I'd say... When you think about deep and wide, it's probably something used a lot. Andy Stanley helps us with that. Uh, but, you know, it has to be in that order. And um, we always tend to lean towards the why. We just we get so infatuated with the growth and the law. Because the, that's how you can say, look, now we know this is successful. But, you know, I think that's why I just keep wanting to bring up what does it mean to be successful because sometimes with an urban setting, you have to, you have to really plant those relational seeds and uh, even just uh, casting seeds about the, the Word of God and the Gospel and trust that in, in time that God can cultivate and work. He's the one that does that, that brings about community, that changes lives. And, um, and so I think that's the urban tip, if you will, uh, would, would be from me uh, just thinking about deep and wide, starting with the deep. And trusting yeah, the Lord for how indeed. wide, uh, and that in that order, because mm-hmm. um, there's so uh, so strong of a pull to to expand yeah. before you really just uh, sink your roots deep. Yeah, the start small, go go deep is a big phrase that we always uh-huh. say, and in in a lot of urban settings, um, even and it's this way even in downtown Little Rock. Downtown Little Rock, the people who live in downtown Little Rock are totally different than people who don't live in downtown. Little Rock. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times people move in there that a lot of, you know being in Arkansas there's usually some sort of a history with church yeah um, so they're going to have something and generally it's not good yeah uh, at least from what we've been burned by the church disenchanted so, yeah whatever. so just uh, opening your doors on a Sunday is not going to get people to go yeah. gather yeah um, uh. you've the way you connect to people, at least in, in Little Rock and downtown Little Rock, is you've got to get outside the walls, and you know you go to the go to the same coffee shops where you meet the same people over and over again. Go to the same restaurants where you meet people over and over again. Mm-hmm. Get to know the business when you start serving. Get to know you like downtown Little Rock partnership. You know we're a part of that because that way we're in the know when it comes to events and different ways that we can serve. Because then when you're serving with people, you're working alongside one another. You guys all know how serving along one another brings down some major walls mm-hmm. uh, that they may have. And so uh, if you want your church to grow, and I should say the Lord's church to grow, 
um, you gotta get outside the walls because um, it's not just gonna happen magically. Yeah, so. yeah. And and over time, naturally, it begins to be something that just happens. And what I mean by natural is you're breaking down those barriers and relational. You're not twisting arms, beating anybody over the head with the Bible or anything silly. That a lot of these and, and some people are like, well, that would never happen. Well, it did. We grew <laughs> up in a world that did. For those of you that aren't stuck in the Bible Belt, uh, yeah. and we're moving past that uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, but you still see there's you can strike some nerves with people when you think of established church uh, yeah. in this area that you have to slowly and that takes time coming back to the time yeah. thing oh my goodness yeah. um absolutely yeah and there's just no substitute for that i I'm, you know mm-hmm. uh, and and our guys that that do well they and we're, we're seeing some guys really plugging in well with their cities yeah. uh partnering and we had a, a church planner in conway that uh, doing some things with the city and been serving for the last couple of years. And mayor calls him in and says, we continue to hear and yeah. see you guys serving. Would you guys help us with this? We're going to pay for it. We just you know, need your people muscle. Yeah, that's and huge. and uh, those are huge compliments to the church because it's not every place where the mayor is going to come <laughs> and say, we love the church and what the church right. is. Exactly. No, absolutely. And, uh, and so you guys have had that kind of presence. People of peace, if you will. Room. Yeah, yeah, really. And uh, so, okay, so we'll kind of wrap up this portion uh, of the conversation until we get into the, the the heavy stuff with rapid fire. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, uh, and you guys said some very consistent and good things that I don't know if you got something different you want to add into this or just reiterate some of the things we talked about a while ago. Yeah. But, you know, you got, you get a shot to, you know, talk to several hundred church planters here. You know, what's one thing you would tell them? Hey, here's after 12 years planning in, in Little Rock, here's the things we've learned. Here's here's one thing. Mm. Don't miss this. Um, well, I'm going to say two things. First of all, I'm going to just reemphasize. You can't say two things. Yeah. <laughs> I got one three. Thing, so I got one. three. So go ahead. <laughs> Commitment, longevity. You can't. That's number one thing yeah. that you got to do. Um, but also just being faithful with who the Lord brings your way. Mm-hmm. I, I remember a couple of years in, I almost had like this little crisis in my life of being like, our church looks totally different than what I was thinking it was going to look like. <laughs> Expectations. And, and I found, well, I found myself trying to uh, be defensive about it when someone would ask and be like, well, what about your children's program? Well, we had no children, so we had yeah, no children's yeah, program. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, so I can't make that up. I can't be like, well, you know, we've got, no. I was like, and so what the Lord slowly showed me was like, look, you, this is not your church. You didn't gather these people. Right. I did. Be faithful with who you got, and this is who you are. Be be thankful that the Lord, you know, brought them your way, and just be faithful with them. There's a parable. And so about I that, think there's there's yeah. that's just something that we've I've learned is to just when the, whoever the Lord brings your way, um, be their shepherd, and that's because that's because the Lord brought them there for a reason. Yeah, um, they may look they may look totally different than what you imagine. Doesn't care. Doesn't yeah. matter. You know. I, I yeah. remember Hugh Halter told a similar story about people coming to his church. And said, "What do you have for our kids?" And he would yeah. always say, "What do your kids have for our church?" There you <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was really great. Oh, yeah. we would say that. I mean, we really would be like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, look, we don't have one. You want to, you want to start one? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, your well, kids can be the you know guinea pigs here. And and luckily, we had some families who were willing to do that. But, yeah. <laughs> when you tell people we may not be the best fit for you, all of a sudden barriers there are, are broken down. Yeah. Of, you have to be 
what I need. Instead, it's this is who we are, and let's see if the Lord's in this. And if it's somewhere else where you land, if there's an opportunity, in a lot of places you got one shot, yeah. you know. But we're fortunate enough here that sometimes people feel like you can find the flavor of the week with churches. Yeah. My my quick thought would be uh, a couple things. First. Um, don't be afraid to take risks, and yet knowing the difference between faith and foolishness is difficult. It's like a thin mm. line. Um, I don't think you overthink it. I don't think the will of God is a tightrope. However, you do want to press into this kind of goes in, in hand in hand, and as you're taking risks and as you're moving through just uh, trying to be uh, a healthy church, you, you also have to you can't go it alone. Um, trying to figure out what is right in front of you and decipher what's happening. Um, it's not like rocket science, but at times it feels like that, and you need people to bounce your ideas off. You need a, a greater uh, community, if you will, that extended family of folks you can lean on. And so I would say take risks. Uh, make sure you, uh, you know, people talk about calculated risk. With faith, there's no such thing as calculated right. risk. It's Christ risks. But right. anyways, um, I think having those people, though, that uh, you cooperate with other churches, to know that the summit and us are on the same team and that we love each other to know that i can talk to someone at emmanuel baptist church in downtown little rock and know we are on the same team yeah. and our methodologies may be different but the heart is the same and we all if we're if we're centered on what needs to be our focus then then our, our goals are the same to be healthy yeah. and that's what i would say don't try to be attractive entertaining uh alone don't let that be your focus uh be healthy and how that's defined in scripture and, su- and what success looks like is a lot different sometimes than we assume and yeah. um, and so we try to rest in our obedience and I don't think we we uh, get cocky on that try not to but I do think um, that when you you put forth those those pillars in place for that foundation um, then you can trust that you are being obedient yeah. in what God's brought your way awesome awesome that's great well, guys, uh, thanks so much uh, for that. Uh, man, you you are the veterans, and so we... <laughs> Just because we, uh, we're old. That's right. That's Just right. We wanted to make sure we had you guys on because, I mean, you've got the experience now to all our young guys that are coming up. And Oh, well, uh, let me say one quick thing. You ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. We are just now, the last two years, probably seeing the fruit from our beginning ministry yeah. Yeah, in the first that. 10 years. I'd say that definitely. Yeah. Know that, wow. people. <laughs> yeah, so 10 years in. Yes, and now we've also been blessed. Like the chemistry with Scott Duvall coming on board right. with us uh, has been, again, just another one of those moments of, you know, the next steps, as, you know, Ed Stetzer talks a lot about recently. Um, that was a big win, and when oh, you yeah. get that momentum, you ride that wave, yeah. and the other times you just— but yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. 10, 11 years is what it took yeah. to start seeing fruit. Wow. So— and then to have your former professor now we come have, on staff with you. Exactly. Yeah, cool. exactly. Yeah. And now the children's ministry we didn't have, that's one of our strongest things right yeah. now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, y'all made a bunch of babies. <laughs> <laughs> our, our people. Yeah. All right, let's roll into rapid fire then. Uh, you guys uh, take turns uh, back and forth on these questions. Uh, top one or two books that have the most impact on you. Grant, let it rip. Uh, I would say... That, Number one book for me is probably Life Together by Bonhoeffer. I uh, I read that at least once uh, a year, maybe once every two years. Yeah, it's just a great book for me to be able to, because you can get down in the nitty gritty of pastoring, you know, of those church planning when you talk about the details, all the stuff that needs to be done, and it's just a great book to set you back and say, okay. What's the big focus? You know, what are we looking at? So that's a big one for me. Nate? Yeah. Anything Bonhoeffer, C.S. Lewis are going to be home runs. I think uh, the oh, one okay. I'll, I'll mention. Minimize that. No, <laughs> shut up. 
please. <laughs> I agree. I'm agreeing with you. Um, I would say, uh, and Teaching to Change Lives by Howard Hendricks was one that was really just kind mm. of a, a spark for me that was really um, opened my eyes to relational ministry and what that looks like and bridging the academy and the church. Again, coming back to that thought. Cool. Awesome. What about uh, biggest strength in ministry, biggest challenge, weakness to overcome? Oh gosh, um, strength. Uh, I'm 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 loyal to a fault almost, but I'm. So I'm, there's your strength and weakness. Maybe. Right <laughs> uh, but it's true. Like, how it that he can answer that, that yeah, quick. Goes hand in hand. It is. That's. It's just you know I, I'm. This is this is what we're doing. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to plow through, and yeah. that, it, it doesn't bother me to keep going through tough times. It's just just who it is it's just the lord doing that i guess and and affirming things in my own life for to be able to do that but i'll say loyalty is a big thing uh for me yeah um you know it's hard to always put your thumb on these things but i i really aim to be encouraging uh and all that i do and um i think people would confirm that that's one area where the lord's um allowed me to to encourage people I don't feel encouraged. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge to overcome. That's right. Uh, being too encouraging to where no, Grant think, mocks well, you. Or you could say, for your you, you could say it this way. Well, I would just switch gears a little bit and say, uh, I can take on too much at times and trying yeah. to balance that. I mean, I know a lot of people feel that, you know, busy, yeah. if you will, but, um, sometimes I can get overwhelmed in that. And, um, so, but in church planning, man, you're you're more of an ER doctor that yeah. things come in. You're not a specialty <laughs> no. doctor, and I get mad at those people. But then yeah. some days I'm like, I kind of liked it. I don't see the same cases every day. Yeah, I like that. No, that's true. I would say that's that's that is one thing. Um, you got to be able to. Uh, mine is uh, not not being able to see. Probably some of the weakness would be not being able to see when to let go of uh, and let somebody else take the reins. Mm. Um, I think that's a very important thing when it comes to, as a church grows. You have to let go of yeah. stuff. Um, and and generally the stuff that that you need to let go of is stuff that you're not that good at anyway. Yeah, like, you don't need to be, you don't yeah. need to be doing this. Like yeah. I realize you know how to do it, but you yeah. don't need to do it. And so that's right. that's something. Just because it's your way doesn't mean it's the right way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Favorite hobby or pastime, and don't say Alabama football. Oh, oh no, gosh, please. Uh, <laughs> I'm a joke. Honestly, my my whole second job up until really this year was photography. I mean, I do oh. I do that. So that's a that's a hobby and pastime. I've been doing that for about. A decade now, I guess. Yeah, um, man. So I'm I'm able to let go of that a little bit now and focus more on the church. It's been really good. Yeah. Um, you know, Getting having outside. kids too. Anybody that you know, Grant, you'd agree with this too. Like kids, your family, you, you get a lot of time with them, so that you try to maximize that. Um, I'm, we're renovating a home right now, and we did that with the church. By the way, I think I'm starting to see a pattern here that maybe. Mm-hmm. I put myself in this, but I kind of like it too. Don't tell my wife. I actually enjoy some of that. Being, you like enjoy yeah. being a contractor? Well, here's what I enjoy. I enjoy painting a wall and saying that's either good or it's not. Whereas with ministry, you paint and you're like, I don't know what just happened. I threw seeds. I don't know if it's stuck. I have no idea. But So that's probably why I like it. You have to wait 10 years to yeah, find yeah, out what I can walk in and be like, that's the worst tile job I've seen in my life. That's very tangible. <laughs> that's know. right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Well, and that's reality for a lot of ministers. Uh, I've gotten into woodworking, oh, yeah. and uh, and I've done some really bad woodworking, and I'm getting better. <laughs> Did you make this table? Uh, no, Nick oh. actually made this. Nice oh, job, yeah, yeah, Nick yeah. Burke, shout out there. If you can make a round yeah. one. I'd be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but there's something about that when we deal in such esoteric mm-hmm. relational things. It's nice to have something that I you can put so. your hands on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So okay. 
What's next? Uh, what, what is next? Favorite movie? <laughs> A movie. I know this is an old one, but it's been my favorite. It's Tombstone. I mean, uh, I, I love that movie. Man. I'm your Huckleberry. Uh, I mean, any better? There's no better lines than those in the uh, movies. They're good. Tommy Boy. To- Tommy oh, Boy. Good one. Drop the mic. See you. Good oh one. Oh my gosh. Uh, rest in peace, Chris Farley. Which is exactly. pretty funny because they, one of the lines in that movie is that it takes ten years for him to graduate. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, that's what Nathan and I just finished just up doing did. our masters. Our took, thesis paper hung over. Like, our it head. took like eight years for us to finish our oh masters. Oh my but, but we did it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. a lot of people doing your old Herbie They're called doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. What about favorite band or musician? Okay, so the music that I just like to just sit down and listen to is going to be weird. I love bluegrass music. Okay. I just love it. Punch Brothers. Nickel and, Creek. Well, Nickel Creek's my favorite. Oh, so Christy. Yeah, same yeah, line there. Yeah. Um, it's just, I can, I, can, I can sing every line to them. I just love it. Yeah, Nickel Creek is bluegrass like Taylor Swift is country, though, if I'm being honest <laughs> with you. That might be true. But no, no. Nickel Creek, Taylor Swift is not anywhere close to the level of musicianship that Nickel <laughs> yeah, Creek that or Punch true. Brothers have. Uh, I just got a tease. I got a tease. Hey, Nickel Creek and Punch Brothers are the rush of bluegrass. Uh, that, you okay, can say that's fair. I like yeah. that one oh. better. I like that one better. Yes. <laughs> Man, that's hard to say. It's like, who's your favorite kid? I mean, I know who mine is, but uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I, I don't know. I love music and uh, all kinds of different music. Um, third Eye Blind, don't tell anyone. Oh, Third Eye Blind. Not wow. the semi-charm life kind of stuff. I'm talking motorcycle drive-by. Chad, Grant, you'll appreciate <laughs> Why it. Why don't yeah. you step back from that ledge, my friend? Well, that's Show, another one. Nah, it's okay. Show, but, uh, showing our age. Exactly. <laughs> Can you graduate? That's, yes. Yeah, that would we be sing that a lot in that senior year. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, back in the day. It's I mean, just a punk I'm fun. In, oh, it is. It is. I'm in Dallas, and there are these brother and sister that my wife and I used to pick up on the way to church and take them home. It's awesome students. And and uh, and so it was just me, Christy, and Josh <laughs> one time, and Third Eye Blind, Can I Graduate, comes on. Of course, it's, you know, they're playing, yeah. and then it's, Can I Graduate? So Josh <laughs> yeah. and I, at the same time, yell that out. Scared my wife to death. That's hilarious. She, she did not know the song. Yes. was not expecting it. And But Josh and I were yeah. in sync. It was awesome. Yeah. So and some fun. of their new stuff, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I don't care to see them as, as much anymore, but those... That's the, that's the, the gold. Ones. That's gold, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Hey, speaking of favorite band or musician... I'm going to see you two in Kansas yes. City in September, go. man. Are you serious? They're I got doing to the see, Joshua Tree I Tour. Yeah. yeah. I am... I'm pumped. My friends made fun of me, though. I was going to say that, but that would really date me, too, of how much uh, I love no, we, you, too. No, we actually Bono. got to see them. Our, yeah. our wives and all of us went to go see them in Dallas. It's awesome. Uh, this is probably it was, four years ago. It was in Cowboys Stadium, yes. which was uh, impressive. Which Muse was amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. Muse was so good. <laughs> but But you... It just wasn't the best setting for sure, and yeah. the Joshua yeah. Tour would be Being a way to see. Being in that stadium, you know, the music just kind of yeah, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to do. But, but I love Bono. Good. I'm a dork. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to see Clutch and Promise in go. October. You go. Where at? <laughs> <laughs> at uh, 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 East Ballroom, South Ballroom, Southland Ballroom, something, mm. something. Uh, yeah. It's hey, clubbing. Christian music. You know, we all kind of hadn't said anything, and I get that. But I will say, John <laughs> Foreman does some stuff John by himself with yeah. Switchfoot. Yeah, dude, I'll yeah. give that dude a shout out. Props for being one of the well and uh, Friction family with the dude from Nickel Creek. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and John Foreman. Hey, how about that uh, segue connection? Hey, there you go. Speaking of segues, have you seen the? 
I think there's a question where, I don't know, some parody, Christian parody video, and it says, what's your favorite Christian band? And the response is Switchfoot. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite secular band? Switchfoot. Switchfoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I so, have seen that. Have yeah. yeah. Pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming, hanging out with us. And, uh, man, good stuff. I hey, do blessings to you guys. Thanks for being in the trenches and yeah. uh, just encouraging all these uh, folks being willing to do Including some crazy guys. stuff so. like be a part of uh, the mission of starting churches. Yeah, well, it's fun. Yeah. We love it. Yeah, it is. All right, Thank fellas. Much love. Thanks. All right, great interview with the illustrious Nathan James and the magnanimous Grant Harrison. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, I, I love those guys. I, I tell you, the you know they are the veterans uh, right now. You know, twelve years in or end of July, be twelve years, and uh, and and they've done it in downtown Little Rock. Either mm-hmm. on you know they've been kind of on Main Street most of the time, either south on Main or now you know north of uh, six thirty there. But in that urban setting, in that downtown area, with all the changes and gentrification that have gone on in that area, in that area, and they have just been committed and faithful, and just steady growth over the years. And you know, I loved you know Grant's you know comment when he said, you know, we've we're 12 years on now, and and he said it was about year 10 that things really began to click. Um, and you know, there's there's something to be said about grinding it out. Yep. Hate, you know, nod to the grind there. Yep. Uh, and, and staying with it and and learning a rhythm of life that will allow you to stay with it. Mm-hmm. And Nathan said something as well. He, he said, you know, in this church playing journey, you can't be afraid to take risks, but you need to know the difference between faithfulness and foolishness. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that that's, can be kind of a fine line, be a challenge to discern. Yeah. But those guys have done it and yeah. have done it well. Right. How did how did Doug Hickson put it? Remember he had a quote in his yeah, episode about he, he says, uh, church planting uh is foolish. Church planting without Jesus is reckless. Okay, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Or yeah. church planting is reckless, but church planting without Jesus in the power of Jesus is is really reckless. Yeah. And yeah. uh and so uh very similar, you know, kind of comments. And uh, uh, I think those guys, you know, both of them have worked, you know, periodically along yeah. the journey. Right. You know, they have young families now. They, you know, the fact that they both started when they were 23 years old Crazy. is just fascinating it is. to me. And, uh, you know, and probably, and, and they've talked about, you know, they could have benefited from, you know, some, some you know, coaches and help <laughs> along the way. But, right. But, uh, you know, as we all could. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty there, but uh, I, you know, just a testimony of their committedness and faithfulness, and love those guys. Think, think about the, and this is no slam on anybody who was in our organization a decade ago, twelve years ago. Yeah, but think about the church planting process a decade ago versus yeah. the way it is now for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a little bit more of a hands-on approach. Yeah, you know, uh, and we do, so. and we do have more. More guys involved yeah. in roles of coaching and mentoring right. and training right. than, than we're available. Had. Yeah, uh, and I and to all all of our partner church pastors and and staff guys out there, you guys, we cannot thank you enough. You know, from the bottom of our hearts, 
um, for all that you do for our church planters. Churches across the state, all of you that pray for our church planters, that do mission trips with our church planters, that have done construction projects with our church planters. Yep. Uh, we cannot say thank you enough and how vital your role is yeah. in this. You know, we've had these conversations a lot here lately on our church planting team. You know, there's, you know, five of us that are full-time is that right? Me, you. I think just four now. Just four we of were us doing now full time. Roger said that today. Yeah, yeah, and then we've got a few others that are helping us part time in some ways. There's there's no way we can cultivate enough church planners, uh, train enough church planners and coaches. There's there's just no way that many guys can do that for the entire state of Arkansas mm-hmm. and, and sometimes beyond um, without those partner churches. And uh, you know Nathan and Grant have had a lot of help from, from some good partner churches along the way. Uh, but uh, and probably could have used more as all of our church plants could. Uh, but the the opportunity to speak into the life of these guys, and you know, we hope all of ours will make it you know twelve years and beyond. Yeah. And uh, but it takes all of us investing you know, to do that. What I was gonna say, it's not it's not so much they did talk about this, but really they modeled I think the plurality idea yeah. in church planting of a team based approach of. You know, not even having a senior pastor and it working. Yeah. Doing a co-pastor uh, route. Yeah. yeah, and and you know the the it's it. I think it's harder, but having to submit to one another, you know, uh, when you don't agree, yeah. there there's something I think about plurality that's very scriptural. Yeah. That's that's uh, you know not planting alone. I mean, yeah. think about all those you know guys who are planting alone yeah. you know who are by themselves and yeah. they've never had to deal with that they've yeah. always had somebody with them who's a sounding board when they're frustrated who's somebody to pick them up when they're falling down whatever the case may be um and these so, guys are best friends i mean it, yeah. i rarely see one without the other yeah and uh and that you know and they talked about you know there are times you know they've they fought and disagreed over things but but they're family yeah not just good friends i mean yeah. these guys are family and they have been through the trenches together They've built deep roots together. I, you know, another thing they said that was fascinating, you know, because, you know, the, the typical story is, you know, after the first couple of years, you know, at least half of your core team you know, is going to leave. Uh, and, and typically they don't leave well. I mean, it's <laughs> not good leaving. But these guys, other than people moving away for jobs and things like that, their initial crew is there, still yeah. there after 12 yeah. years. Uh, I think which is a testimony of the, the sense of community that they've built you know, with one another and the healthy relationships that they have with one another. And and the ways they've done that is, you know, I think Nathan said, you know, to, you know, as an advice for church planters, you know, to, to start small and plant deep roots. Uh, I mean, they have done life together and uh, and they've had some older adults have come along with them and, and uh, you know, to help them as well. But those guys have done well in building the kind of community there mm-hmm. where folks stay. And yeah. You come in yeah. there and you stick. And yep. uh, uh, I think that's, that's well, awesome. And, I mean, you got to be committed to the long haul to see some of these things happen. Yeah. Yeah. And for them, it took 10 years. Yeah. For it to really start so, fleshing out, yeah. and, and and they've immersed themselves in the, themselves in the city. Uh, you know, it, it reiterated over and over. You, you got to plug in with stuff going on in your city and be mm. present there. Yeah, and uh, and they've done that well. And um, love those guys, and just just thankful that they're here. Uh, a lot of wisdom to share. You know, younger church planters out there, if you want some guys to really, you know, 
uh, glean from and learn from. Those are two guys that have been around a while that can can really help you and uh, maybe save you from, from some mistakes that they made early on, and uh, they are definitely worth spending time with. So uh, thank you, Nathan and Grant, and for a great interview and a great time. And uh, now we're going to kick it over to Story Time with Uncle Neil. It's Story Time with Uncle Today's story comes from Pastor Andrew Monarchy at the Hill Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Recently, the Hill Church took a Sunday to engage their community by serving together rather than meeting within their walls and focusing on their inward mission. Instead, they spent a Sunday morning serving a nearby community center. They painted, picked up trash, cleaned out closets, and helped prepare projects that kids will get to do this summer. Though some of the tasks they were given seemed monotonous or small, the staff at the community center was incredibly grateful as they don't have the time or manpower to complete many of the things that the Hill Church was able to do for them in just a few hours. The Hill Church got to practically serve an organization in their community that has a goal similar to theirs and that they care greatly for the neighborhood and aim to serve the people around them, though their mission is not quite gospel-centered. They got to live out the gospel by stepping into the space of the community center and helping them with projects they never would have been able to do on their own and praising the name of the father all the while. What a great story of a missional community. We want to hear your story as well. Send us yours by emailing us at the grind at absc.org. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? I'm still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important. You never read anything I asked you to. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf. So today for Bookshelf, we've got quite the contrast okay. uh, in books, uh, and uh, which I think are, and, and I think both fantastic. Uh, but uh, one a more business-oriented leadership development book and one a more theological uh, book. And so uh, you want to go first this time? I'll go first. Hey, Chad, um, why don't you go first this time? Uh, the Day the Revolution Began by N.T. Wright, about the yep. crucifixion of Jesus. It's actually the first N.T. Wright book I've ever read, really? although I own two others. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. But this one was on Audible, and yeah. so it's always listen- easier for me to listen to them than it is to read them, so... I dove in, and I really wanted to read his because I've I've been thinking through atonement uh, issues mm-hmm. uh, recently, and so um, it was a really good, challenging book for traditional atonement uh, interpretations. Yeah, and so I kind of wrestled with that some, but uh, probably some of the things that stood out the most is he he basically says that what we have assumed in our theology is that we. We are under a works contract with God to keep the rules, yeah. and when we break the contract, Jesus had to come to, you know, repair the contract. And he said that's really not what what Scripture's teaching. That's really not what happened. We were created in the image of God, and through sin, that image has been marred. And really, God, Jesus came to kind of restore that image. And so it, it, it helps because I think it, it broadens the scope of what Christianity really is. Yeah. That it's not just 
come to Jesus so you don't have to go to hell when you die, but it's bigger than that. It's it's re- God restoring the image of, of himself in us through Christ, Jesus perfectly reflecting the image of God, us now having resurrection life in us that one day we'll we will be resurrected to the new heaven and the new earth, and so I, I just think it was a it was a much bigger picture that, that I needed of the whole thing, and then just challenging some of the thoughts about what really did happen on the cross, yeah, and what what was Jesus really doing, and and he 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 hones in on the phrase um, he he was crucified, buried, and raised according to the scriptures. Uh-huh. And in fact, he, he says according to the Bible. That's right. what he says over and over, according to the Bible, according to the Bible. And I had never really thought about it that way, but he starts saying, so so what does it mean to say according to the Bible? So he looks at Passover. Uh-huh. He looks at um, the temple. And he starts looking at these things saying, okay, how does what the Bible says, if it's according to the Bible... These are the things in the Bible. What does that reflect about what actually happened on the cross? Oh, yeah. So I, I, number one, I just really appreciate his approach because I feel like he comes at the Scripture very unbiasedly to really try to see what it's really saying. Right. And uh, doesn't I don't feel like he comes at it from an agenda as much as a what what can I discover right and so I just appreciate that spirit and just uh, really enjoyed it so I'm looking forward to more books by yeah. him but if you're looking for a book that it may challenge your theological yeah. Yeah. positions yeah. or assumptions whichever yeah. ones they are right it did mine but uh, and I don't know I'm gonna have to go back and reread a little bit to settle some things I've been wrestling with but really good. I have always loved books that make me think. Mm-hmm. I don't want people just to spit back what I already know, right. what I already believe. Uh, I, I don't never been afraid of someone challenging my assumptions or positions. And and if they're they're worth holding on to, they stick. If they're not, then they change. Yeah, which is I think all of us need to kind of have that. Attitude. Sure. Uh, there are a whole lot of things the church used to believe that we don't believe anymore, and thank God for that. Sure. Uh, and sure. So, well, I'll tell you this much: if he's right, uh, there's a lot of people who need to do some rethinking. Oh, yeah. A ton. I yeah. Mean, it, I mean, most of us who grew up in the West, if he's right, have misunderstood yeah. the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah. And I, you know, and we talked. Which is about, a big. That's a big. That's thing, a big but, deal. But, but, yeah. that's, but that's that's the implication. Yeah. That's exactly what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, you know, we talked about this a few podcasts back, where you know I'd, I'd read the book, you know, misreading scripture with Western eyes, and uh, you know when you think about, I mean, this is an Eastern group of people that wrote. Right. They don't have the same framework for interpreting the world as we do in the West. Mm-hmm. And we forget that so often. And mm-hmm. we try and interpret everything through a 21st century American you know, worldview. And, and there's so many things about that worldview that are contradictory to Scripture. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Jesus was not a white, uh, middle-class anglo-saxon capitalist <laughs> you know and uh how dare you i know that doesn't mean he was a communist don't hear me say that you know but uh, you know we can't place him in the middle of arkansas and and let that be the only thing that defines who he was right. we, we create god in our own image sure. when we do that sure and i think we've got to continually be careful of that and don't ever forget you know the world in which jesus 
lived and right. breathed his and context. Worked. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I had a professor in, in college that used to drill this home to us in, in hermeneutics. And he would say, uh, a text can never mean what it never meant. Right. And if the, if the early church would, could not understand what was written, uh, or, or never applied this, this way, then we need to really be, you know, suspicious of, of kind of, you know, how we interpret scripture. So, um, you know, I, I love N.T. Wright. I mean, he's one of my favorite theologians. I've read several, you know, of his books and he's written so many. I, I don't know that I'll ever get through all of his in this lifetime, you know, no. but, uh, I've got several in my to be read pile that have been in there for a little while. And so got to, got to plow through some of those. Yep. Uh, and that's one of them. That's one I want to read. All right, for my book, uh, completely different direction. Uh, you know, we've talked about one of his books before, but I'm a huge Patrick Lencioni fan. And so I just finished reading Ideal Team Player by him, and he talks about uh, what, you know, what it means to be a real team player, what real teamwork looks like, what are the qualities that someone has to have to be a, a good team player, and fit in a culture where teamwork is valued. And one of the things about ABSC, one of the reasons I enjoyed this book is because, um, you know, Dr. Tucker is real big on no silos, mm. that we collaborate with one another. We do a lot of cross-team stuff. Yeah. He wants a real teamwork-oriented environment. Uh, every, every team in the building has a team leader, an assistant team leader, because it shouldn't be just one person you know, run a ship. If somebody dies, there needs to be somebody there that knows what's going on. And, and, uh, so there's a lot of collaboration, a lot of teamwork that goes on within the building. And, and so there's really three qualities that he kind of hones in on that everyone needs to, to be a team player. You got to be humble, you got to be hungry and you got to be smart. Hmm. Um, and then the way he unpacks these was fascinating. Um, you know, humility, you, you know, uh, if you have to tell somebody you're humble, you may not be, you know, kind of deal. Uh, really, what is humility, you know, for us even greater, what is biblical humility? What does that look like? And it's not self-deprecation. It's not uh, being a doormat. Uh, it's not that. But it is, you know, I think some Philippians too, thinking of others more highly than yourselves. Mm. Uh, so there's, you know, you, you got to be humble there. You got to be teachable, coachable, not afraid of accountability, not afraid to have somebody speak into your life uh, and, and challenge an idea or whatever. And, and so I love that. And then the hungry part is there needs to be some self-motivation. If somebody has to get you up in the morning to go do what you're called to do, then you need to find a different calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you're in a job where where you hate going to work, then then you're not hungry, you know, to to be a part of what's going on there, and so you're not going to contribute. You're going to do what you do, and and no more, no less. Uh, and so there's got to be hard work. There's got to be a passion about what you do. And, and so, um, which I think, you know, I, I tell everybody all the time that I absolutely love what I do. I, I, I don't have to, you know, drag myself out of bed to come to work because I get to hang out with church planners, encourage church planners, resource church planners, and it's just, it's fun. So, so I don't have to worry about that part. Um, 
and then the last part was smart. And he said, "Is this, this the part you have to worry about?" No, I've, I've got other parts. You know, <laughs> the hungry part's not the part. You know, sometimes the humility and letting people speak into my life, and then sometimes uh, the smart part. Uh, and and he said, "Smarts is more than just intelligence." He says, it's "Not about being intelligent. It's about." Uh, I mean, he wants you to be intelligent, be competent in what you're doing, confident in what you're doing, but you've also got to be able to to read situations and read people. Mm-hmm. You need to know your context. You need to know what it is you're trying to accomplish, and you need to know the people around you that are a part of your team and how each one fits you know, in what you're doing. And, and I'm reading this book and reading these three qualities, and I'm thinking, okay, we may need to add this into our assessment process and get guys to think about this because we always challenge our guys, don't do this alone. I mean, our our podcast today with Nathan and Grant, here are two guys that are humble. They have submitted themselves to one another in this church planning process. Mm -hmm. They're hungry. I mean, they're 12 years in, and they're still cranking on this deal. They've not quit. They've not given up. They work hard. Uh, they're finally starting to see the fruit of their labor. And and they, they're they smart. They've built good teams around them. The people that started with them are the people they have now. They haven't, they haven't lost anybody. Um, and so uh, I think there's something to be said about that. And while they're not our largest church plant by any stretch of the imagination, they are very healthy and they have a good culture in, in their church. And so I think this is helpful for all of us as church planners to evaluate and say, okay, am I, as, as church planner, humble, hungry, and smart? Are the leaders around me and the team that I have around me, are they humble, hungry, and smart? Um, and, then he, and then he talks about, okay, what if, what if some of those qualities are missing? What do you do? Can people be coached up in those areas? And, and he says, absolutely, yes. Now, he says, if you're missing all three, you're in a world of hurt, <laughs> and uh, nobody's going to want to be around you. And he said, and there are some that are are more damaging if they're missing than others. Um, he said, if humility is missing, you're going to have a hard hard time building any kind of teamwork and anybody wanting to be around you. And we've all been around those folks that have answer for everything. They know everything. And I just had a conversation not too long ago with somebody uh, that. Uh, uh, they they would solve all the world's problems if the world would just listen, to you, <laughs> you know. And uh, uh, and so you get tired of being around you know folks like that. And he said, so nobody wants to be around people like that. So if you're really struggling with humility, you got to do some serious self examination on that. And so then he talked, asked a lot of questions, how to discern, you know, gives several steps, things you can do to shore up, you know, one of those weak areas. Uh, in your life, and uh, I it I love Lencioni Stuggs. He always tells a story and then gives the you know the application at the end. Um, so it's you know fun books to read. And he's a great storyteller, but I tell you, just such great insight. I think for church planners as they're pulling teams around them, how to to keep the teams moving in the right direction, how to remove toxic people. Uh, how do you deal with toxic people that are that are not humble, hungry, and smart? Uh, sometimes we leave them in leadership positions for too long, and then the good people leave because of them. Mm. Uh, he talks a lot about that, and then how to find you know the the right humble, hungry, smart people to be a part of your team. Just because they're good at what they do doesn't mean they fit a teamwork culture. And they talk about that a lot. It's just so many facets that relate to church planning uh, in this book. So cannot recommend it enough. Uh, 
you know, all of Lencioni stuff is good, but this this may be the best one I've read yet. Awesome. So. All right. Uh, that's enough of us yammering on. So uh, thanks, you guys, for listening. Thanks, Nathan and Grant, for coming on and hanging out with us. Uh, joining in on the grind family there uh, you know once again as always you know check us out uh, iTunes Google Play Stitcher SoundCloud website ABSC Twitter Facebook all that good stuff uh, you know the drill uh, write us a review I think we're still hanging at right about nine reviews mm-hmm. uh, if you write a review that helps other people find the podcast easier on iTunes and so we really appreciate those hey special shout out to our production minister assistant yes in the studio yes we've got the intern in the building today <laughs> and uh, so Alex is getting uh, a full dose of the grind yeah. a couple of episodes today I and think so, he's had all he's wanted that's right that's right this room is getting very hot and smelling very tired so uh uh, we're gonna wrap this up thank you guys so much and uh we'll check you next time keep grinding